The Start. On Demand. On Demand. One of today's primary themes was help from strangers because we learned this week thanks to a Manitoba woman who reached out to us because she wanted to thank a couple of strangers who helped her get home during that snowstorm. Well, we tracked down those strangers and talked to them this morning on the start and that inspired an entire show-long conversation about help from strangers and some of the stories that you told us on our text line, 204-780-6868, were so wonderful and inspiring. So we are excited to share them now in the podcast. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Friday, April 16th podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, today is a big day, a special day. The Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon right through until 6 p.m. You can make a difference in someone's life to help them get through hardships. You'll be providing opportunities for change to those affected by poverty and homelessness. And we are starting right out of the gate with some awesome news because an anonymous donor has just donated $5,000 to start us off and will double match... All donations made until 12 noon, meaning, Greg Mackling, if you donate $10, the donor will not only match your $10, but will double that match to $20. So really, your $10 is a $30 donation. Come on. I don't know if I've ever heard of something like this before. We've done so many incredible events with different organizations over the years. This is the first time, Loren, I've ever heard of a double match. Talk about upping the ante. Wow. I don't know what's the matter with me this morning, but that just made me all tear up. And I'm not even kidding. Um, Take it away, Brett. (laughs) I'm going to sit here and I just feel like right now it's so great to hear people giving back. And the double match, when you explain it, I was like, wait a minute, because double, I heard $10 goes to 20. You mean $10 could be $30. That's incredible. Sometimes I just wish these anonymous donors wouldn't stay anonymous because you deserve all the credit in the world for uh, doing what you're doing. But I get why you also don't want to make it about you. It's about the people who work hard at Siloam and it's about the clients and Winnipeg's homeless community that need our help so much now, perhaps more than ever. To donate, you can call 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's 1-844-974-5626. Or you can go to siloam.ca slash radiothon to make a donation online. So you'll be hearing stories of hope through the morning on 680-CJOB, through the day on 680-CJOB, right until 6 p.m. At 7.35, we're going to speak to a man, a former client of Siloam Mission, who overcame homelessness. We'll hear his story, and we'll have much more throughout the morning today on uh, CJOB, the Siloam Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon, your generosity. Manitoba always comes through, and today I'm sure will be no exception. But in the meantime, as we talk about generosity, we also see Greg Mackling, the price at the pump today, not so generous. (laughs) (laughs) Mackling was so fired up about this this morning. I missed seeing the anger that Greg has. (laughs) 
Like it's it's so remarkable that at an early hour, whether when Brett and I would drag ourselves into work, and you know, I need like hours to ramp up. Greg comes in ramped up sometimes when he sees gas prices. I imagine you kind of just stomping around the basement right now, Greg. (laughs) Yeah, I haven't thrown anything yet, but I'm (laughs) tempted. Let me tell you, one twenty-seven nine. I'm looking at a picture here. From a good friend of mine, Brett McGarry is his name, and he took a picture of the gas station at the Shell in Osborne Village. I We we noticed a text this morning in the Zip Whip. I was uh, doom scrolling a little bit, going through uh, text messages from some of our listeners, and this one jumped out. I said, Brett, did you see this? He said, yep. Here's the evidence. 127.9 at the Shell. In Osborne Village, I went on the Gas Buddy website, multiple places across the city at 127.9. And apparently it started about 6 o'clock. Uh, one of our listeners said it all began in Westwood. So Westwood, we're looking at you this morning. Forche, you're Let's on the list. Jump. Westwood, you're on the list. <laughs> For- Why is Forche on the list? Yeah, I've got the intro. <laughs> oh, the I, intro. Thought, I thought you were from Westwood or something like that. Or that you like run a gas company or something uh, what, what's this that a jump ludicrous. to what, what were we this at 117 it, it, and now it's yeah they, it was weird because it was i think it was up to 118.9 and then maybe it got down to 117 and i know i saw it yesterday at 116.9 i thought oh okay mm-hmm. that's a step in the right direction but they were just getting ready they often drop the price just before they jack it they do it's like a jackrabbit start <laughs> You gotta bend way down before you leap forward. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> well, okay, so this is your doom scrolling, and there's so many things to be uh, concerned about this morning. We got lots to talk yes. about, and gas prices is one of them. But before we get to variants and vaccines and all the rest, Greg, you mentioned another doom scroll that was not doom scrolling at all. The Jets win last night. The NHL standings are not a doom scroll at all. The Jets three points behind the Leafs now. Big 5-2 win in Toronto. The Stars were stars. Nikolai Ehlers had a couple goals. Kyle Connor had a couple of goals. Those guys both now 20-plus goals. Uh, Connor has 21. Ehlers has 20. Shifley had a goal. Hellebuck had to come up with some great saves. And Paul Maurice doesn't very often pull the mask away. From when he's behind the bench, but he did last night. And if you were reading lips, he was uh, none too kind to the officials when the Jets went on a two-man disadvantage after giving up an early goal. Sheldon Keefe, the uh, coach of the Maple Leafs, called a timeout, and it was actually I think the Jets had ended up getting the lift from that two-man power play. The Maple Leafs failed to score. Maurice voiced his discontent if you will with the officials in some very colorful language and jack even said why is maurice all upset i go jackie's trying to get his team fired up and it seemed to work the jets looked tremendous last night uh they come home for a game against edmonton saturday and then next week three consecutive games against the maple leafs that will go a very long way in determining who finishes in first place in the All-Canadian North Division. It was a little easier to get up this morning, let me tell you that. Am I not getting any credit for this win? <laughs> okay, yes, you do get some credit. <laughs> Thank because you. Because we were texting about the game last night, and you said, I just walked into the 
Well, I was Whatever helping the room. kids with some homework, and then uh, we didn't have the game on because one of my sons had a presentation to do, so he was giving the presentation to us. And then I was like, "Oh my gosh, let's turn on the Leafs game or the Jets game," Ooh. and it's language. two nothing Jets. <laughs> and I think, "Oh, the, the Jets are actually beating the Leafs right now." And seconds later, the Leafs score, and my husband looks at me, and I'm like, "On it!" And I turn the TV right off, and we didn't watch another second just because so of thank you, how jinxy it felt. You're welcome. <laughs> Jinxy. Jinxy. I like that. <laughs> Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, as well, a reminder that we began the morning with a, an anonymous donation for $5,000, and that donor is going to double match all donations made until 12 noon. So if you donate $10, that donation actually becomes $30. So that is. A wonderful example of Manitoban generosity at its finest. And we will have stories of hope through the morning, including at 737. We'll speak to a former Siloam client who was able to overcome homelessness thanks to the wonderful people at Siloam Mission. GMAC, what are we doing at 707? Lots of conversation about travel. Of course, we had the discussion about what happened at Third and Bird, a maker coming in from Saskatchewan who, as it turns out, shouldn't have been here. Uh, what about other travel restrictions? What's going on? What do we need? Are we comfortable with where we're at? What's happening in, happening in British Columbia? BC Premier John Horgan has suggested he may take some unilateral action in order to try and keep British Columbians safer. We'll discuss after Jeff Braun's Global News at 7 o'clock. All police officers and firefighters in Manitoba will soon be eligible for the vaccine. Yeah, it's something first responders have been pushing for for months, and we know they're not alone in this request to see people in those public roles, in those frontline roles, vaccinated more quickly. It was just a few days ago we actually had the president of the Manitoba Teachers Society on asking why teachers weren't being prioritized, particularly as we learned that 10 to 19-year-olds are the fastest growing uh, age group for COVID. And so then yesterday, our team at Global News pressed the education minister, on the same issue and all he would say yesterday morning it was that he was taking all the info to public health well last night around eight o'clock we received a statement saying public health was expanding the eligibility criteria to include people working in quote frontline public facing roles people like teachers greg but that does not mean every teacher will automatically be on that higher priority list Yeah, for all the language, it's still not super clear. Here's what the release says. In response to the threat of a third wave of COVID-19, Manitoba will expand vaccine eligibility criteria to include all adults in priority communities as well as first responders. Based on COVID-19 and public health data, people living in communities with the highest risk of the virus will be added to Manitoba's eligibility criteria. This includes... All adults aged 18 or older who live there and people with specified frontline public facing roles in those communities, such as teachers. The province will also expand eligibility to include frontline police officers and firefighters. So Dr. Josh Reimer, who's the co-lead on the vaccine task force, said that this is a targeted approach to ensure, quote, those most affected by COVID-19 who are often racialized or marginalized people have access to the vaccine sooner. But it's there's still a lot of confusion here for me, guys. It's not going to happen quickly because Manitoba, first of all, it's not going to announce 
which communities are considered more at risk until Wednesday. So it's obviously trying to go through some data to figure out which communities, first of all, should be prioritized. And then uh, the vaccine supply remains limited. And so they did also say there won't be enough vaccine to immunize everyone in the frontline categories immediately. We're going to speak with the police association after 837. In the meantime, Global's Joe Scarpelli spoke to one school division that's already ramping up its efforts to protect teachers while waiting for that vaccine. Unlike waves one and two... With the variants, we are a little concerned. The Seven Oaks School Division superintendent is particularly concerned about his staff. They're affecting kind of the you know, people between 30 and 50, which is most of our, our school staff. So Brian O'Leary is ordering 75,000 N95 masks, enough to supply school staff with one a day for the rest of the school year, a level of protection above and beyond current recommendations. I would hope that we're all asking ourselves at this point, uh, you know, what could we be doing to make things better? Um, And, uh, you know, this is one thing we could do, so we chose to do it. The latest numbers from the province show 152 current coronavirus cases in 76 schools. 39 of them are variant of concern cases. Since September, there have been more than 2,600 in 500 schools, 68 of them variants of concern. Students make up roughly 75% of all cases, but it's believed most student cases are coming from outside the classroom. Students may not yet be contracting COVID-19 in school, but that doesn't mean that they're not potentially coming into schools uh, infected by the virus and potentially spreading it to those who work in schools. And that's why the president of the Manitoba Teacher Society is urging the province to move all school staff up the vaccination priority list. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. So teachers have been moved up the list, but once again, we want to emphasize the approach is to start in the high-risk communities, and we'll learn more which communities are on that list next week. Yeah, I'm going to make a guess that it could potentially be communities in the north. That's where we've seen a large bulk of cases. Winnipeg, though, uh, that's uh, where we have the most cases on a daily basis for the past week at least. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, some things still need to be cleared up for me there because there's a lot of and ors and semicolons in that release that, I, that I'm still trying to work my way through. And the question of the day, by the way, cjob.com, brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. And the question is, should the province change the rules on gatherings? And your options are, yes, change indoor rules, but keep outdoor rules the same. Yes, change both indoor and outdoor rules, or no, leave things alone. Cast your vote, cjob.com. We'll put it on Twitter as well, at 680CJOB. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, a reminder, if you want to make a donation, you can call 1-844-9-SILOM. That's 1-844-974-5626. Siloam.ca slash Radiothon. Anonymous donor, open the day with $5,000 donation. And all donations until noon will be double matched. So if you donate 10 bucks, that donation becomes 30 bucks. So make sure you get those donations in and help Manitoba's homeless community. We want to talk right now about Helping strangers. We've got that story in the run. Driving in a snowstorm, never easy. Gets a whole lot easier when strangers lend a helping hand. Carolyn Wisniewski was about 10 minutes from home during a blizzard. Started to feel sick and some people helped her get home. So 
we want to hear your stories of help from strangers. Tell us a story about some time that you got help from strangers or maybe a time where you helped a stranger. 204-780-6868, gift card, Santa Lucia Pizza on the line. Tell us a story. By the way, 655 Hustler with today's Jets update. Let's go around the horn here. We got Cam Poitras, we got Jeff Fortier, we got Jeff Braun, and of course, Mackling McGarry and McNabb. Jeff Fortier, why don't we start with you, sir? I was about 18 years old, and uh, I used to park right in front of my parents' house, the end of the driveway. My brother would be able to park in the driveway. I couldn't side to park on the street, and close enough that I could plug my car in. And so there's one day I got home, and I got home at about uh, midnight after work, and I couldn't park there. There's so much snow, and I'm trying to park, and I'm trying to shovel, and I was seeing this this guy with, uh, with one of those shovels on the front of his truck, uh, one of those plow. What, like Mr. Plow? That's his name. That name again is Mr. Plow. <laughs> but he, he came and he cleared out where I park, and it was just the nicest thing, the nicest thing ever. And then the next day I leave and I come home, and of course one of the neighbors parked my spot. Oh. <laughs> he took the, the fresh, freshly cleaned out spot and parked in it. Uh. But no, like it was so nice. Like at midnight after work, you know, you're trying to just get inside. It's cold, it's snowy, and this guy comes and helps me out. You wanted to, you, yeah. You want to get just get inside, crack a cold one, and relax. And you got to sit outside with a shovel. That's a great story. What about you, Poitras? Uh, well, I basically in my younger years when I went out and did radio, all I was I was surrounded by strangers. My brother helped me move out to Drayton Valley, which was my first big move. I was working at uh, Big West Country ninety two point nine out there, and I dropped my brother off at the airport, and I was driving back from Edmonton to Drayton Valley, and I was just looking at myself, and I was like, "That's I'm completely alone." And um, that that was a pretty tough pill to swallow. I mean, you know, being 19 years old and kind of out there on your own, and um, basically, yeah, I've having to meet new people and sort of rely on the on the kindness of strangers over sort of those years where I was stuck in towns and places that I, I didn't know anybody. So I've so many stories and so many people that helped me out over the years. Um, I, I couldn't name them all, but yeah, I, I find that despite a- anything, people from all walks of life. No matter where they're from, what culture they're from, whatever, it, people are v- mostly very generous and and very kind. Is, has been my experience in life. So that's an important reminder. People yes. are mostly good. They right? are 100. percent I have no doubt about that. Jeff Braun, it's the summer of 1993, and I'm 17 years old, driving from Altona to Morden to meet my friends who are at there's a little beach there or something like that, and I get. Just this side of Plum Coulee, about 15 minutes out of town, and the car starts acting funny, and I realize this car is not going to make it to Morden. So I quickly turn around and try to make it back home. But alas, two minutes later, my car just dies dead on the side of the highway. So I'm just sitting there wondering what to do. And a guy just pulls over, and he says, where are you headed? And I said, Altona. He said, oh, me too. I'm going to visit a friend. I can give you a ride. So I talked to the guy a little bit, and he told me who he was going to visit, and it was someone I heard of. So I'm like, oh, this guy's story checks out. I'll get in his car, even though he looked a little sketchy. And we're driving, <laughs> we're, we're heading back, we're driving a little bit, and I just glance in the back seat, and there's all these loose cans of Pepsi just rolling around on the seat back there. It was super weird. And then the guy goes, oh, do you want a Pepsi? Don't worry, there's no needles in them. <laughs> oh, <wait. laughs> okay. Now that was that was uh, 
urban legend. At the, I guess there was one case of that at the time, and but it had blown up into this big hoax or whatever about needles and Pepsi. But even still, I thought that is a super weird thing to say. So no, thank you. I do not like a Pepsi. And when we got to town, he's like, "Well, what's your address? I'll drive you home." I I, I wouldn't tell him where I lived. I was just like. You can drop me off right here, and I'll just walk the rest of the way, kind, strange, stranger you are. Yeah. <laughs> Story took a turn. Yeah. That's my turn. one and only time at, uh, you know, some sort of hitchhiking. Okay. Well, look at that. So, for <laughs> um, uh, Mackling. Well, I think I've told this story before, but it it bears uh, repeating or it's worth repeating. I was on uh, an adventure and I was 19 at the time as well, Jeff. And I, I ventured to North Carolina in my two-seater uh, convertible. And on the way home, I had some engine problems and I got a tow in the middle of Wisconsin. And long story short, the week previous, they had suffered a tornado and they had to shut down all the power in the community coming up like an hour after I got there. So they couldn't really do any major repairs. I didn't really have any money. The owner of the garage who also employed the tow truck operator asked me, where do you live? How much money do you think you need to get home? He said, give me 20 bucks, mail me the rest. And it was just, uh, once again, I think, Cam, you said it, just a, a highlight. And it just expresses the fact that mostly no matter where you go, people are super kind. They look out for one another. And yes, I mailed him the money along with a bunch of Winnipeg Jets paraphernalia. Loren, we'll hear your story just after 7.15. And you, we can ask you to text us at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win $20 gift card, Santa Lucia pizza. Tell us a story about help from strangers. McGarry and McNabb right through until 6 p.m. The Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon to make a donation 1-844-9-SILOM that's 1-844-974-5626 or online siloam.ca slash radiothon and a reminder or in case you're just tuning in we started the day with an anonymous donor $5,000 that donor is going to double match all of your donations until noon so if you donate $10 that donation becomes not 20 but $30. That is amazing. And at 737, we are going to speak to a former client of Siloam Mission and learn how his life has changed thanks to the good people at Siloam. But we start this hour with Manitoba having its first COVID-19 case connected to the B1 variant, which originated in Brazil. The case was announced yesterday as part of the province's daily COVID-19 update. Yeah, and just for our listeners' sake, you know, these different variants have different uh, ways that they're being tra- that they're traveling, so to speak. And the latest data shows that the Brazil variant is actually maybe two, sometimes two and a half times more contagious than the one we started off with a year ago. And so now we're having those conversations again about travel restrictions, all the rest, and whether they're going far enough. And when it comes to travel, we want to highlight two of the countries who are most often cited as having achieved the greatest success in battling COVID-19, and that's Australia and New Zealand. They came down hard. They came down fast with travel restrictions over the past year. And that's really credited to the success they've been seeing and moving towards being able to gather for large-scale public events. The Opera House is open in Sydney. People can go watch rugby games. There's all sorts of things happening there because of those travel restrictions. And Greg, we know, yes, the federal government 
has a mandatory quarantine for international travelers, but the definition of mandatory seems to be up for debate by some because we know there are travelers returning to this country who are just refusing to go to those hotels, refusing to do those three-day quarantine as, as they are supposed to wait for COVID test results. Yeah, according to a Global Mail story I read yesterday, including 100 people that came to Canada from Brazil. So there have been calls for tougher restrictions for travelers coming to our province. Last evening, as we discussed earlier this morning, a company setting up for a market in Winnipeg was asked to leave after not following the travel protocols for safely entering Manitoba. BC has been struggling with the B1 variant for several weeks now. It is at the heart of the outbreak in Whistler, causing the shutdown of that resort, millions of dollars worth of business and and thousands of jobs uh, up in the air over that. It has been linked to that outbreak, of course, and the rising, they say it's at the core of rising cases and the number of young people finding their ways to hospitals and into the ICU in British Columbia. So it's a it's a very serious concern. It's at the heart of the matter in BC, and uh, Premier John Horgan is said to be contemplating unilateral travel restrictions. And what he said, and what is called vigorous, pardon me, vigorous monitoring for those entering that province from other countries. And I know I've heard through the grapevine so-called grapevine of people traveling and returning to Manitoba without quarantining as required. And those people aren't even necessarily traveling uh, based on necessity. They don't fit the travel guidelines uh, as, as being outside of those rules. It's not necessary travel. It's been pleasure travel. Dr. Rusin acknowledged it. He said, if you traveled for spring break, please make sure that you isolate and follow the rules. I said, just, it's, it's, it's overwhelming. And I know there are others, Brett, that are looking at the rules, trying to bend them, trying to find the language that benefits their circumstance. So I, I'm not exactly sure what the answer is here. Tougher travel restrictions, Loren? I mean, what, what else can be changed? Well, there's the international stuff. Like, can we do more when people land? As soon as you land at an airport... Should there be someone there who's escorting you to the bus that puts you on the path to that hotel where you have to stay? That's the international component. And we've heard different reports of how that's going when people are coming from out of country. The interprovincial stuff, I'm not... Should it be that when you land at the airport here from, say, just coming from Saskatchewan or wherever you've come from, that there is also someone there saying, here's your piece of paper, give me your address, we'll be calling you six times a day to find out where you are? I I don't know. Um... When it comes to the road travel, there's just so many ways in and out of the province. BC might have a different options, you know, to control people coming from Alberta or elsewhere because of the mountains and there's maybe not as many places to cross. I'm not sure. I just don't know how you do it. But yes, as you point out, other countries have done. I know people who live on islands in the Caribbean. And if you've traveled from elsewhere, you're, they're actually, they put like a bracelet on you, like a jail prison type bracelet that monitors where you go. And controls where you go so that they know immediately if you're not staying at home. So that sounds harsh and crazy. And I know that. But is this where we're at? Because if people are A, traveling for pleasure and B, when they return, not isolating, is that the step you have to take?
And a reminder that your donation, thanks to an anonymous donor, will be double matched. So a $10 donation becomes $30. And on the subject of generosity, we've been hearing in the news a story of help from strangers. We're asking you to text us your stories at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win $20 gift card. Santa Lucia Pizza, when we had our round table at 648, we ran out of time, did not get Loren McNabb's story. What's your story, Loren? Well, it's really more just store ease. And that's the fact that, you know, before moving back to Winnipeg, I traveled a lot for Global News and Global National. And so a lot of those stories involved talking to people in their lowest moments, right? It might have been Hurricane Katrina or the earthquake that hit and took 10,000s of lives in Haiti and another one in Pakistan. And I, I will never forget traveling to Muzaffarabad. It's in northern Pakistan. Um, we had just landed, take, took, took this, you know, 15 hour, 14 hour flight. Then we hit the road where people are, you know, there's houses that have collapsed, roads that have collapsed. And after we interviewed this family that had lost everything, including neighbors and friends and all sorts of just horrific stuff, they offer us a samosa, you know, through an interpreter saying, are you hungry? Do you want this before you get back in the car and drive? We had another six hour drive back to try to feed the story out to Canada. And I can't tell you how many times that happened over and over again, that after we visit people, uh, war-torn situations, um, going and driving into Gaza. We didn't have a place to stay. A family let us come in and sleep on the living room or the bedroom floor with, you know, 17 other family members who had been blown out of their homes. Uh, it just, it's, it's crazy to me that not only that people are kind and they really are when they know you or don't know you, but even when they have nothing to give, I've been in awe of how they want to give because that's just, it is human nature and it's the best part of human nature. So tell us a story at 204-780-6868 of a time you were helped by strangers or maybe a time you helped a stranger for your chance to win a $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. Or maybe you don't like strangers. Maybe it's just, ah, to heck with all of them. I, I was Stranger taught, danger! I was taught when I was a kid, don't talk to strangers, and I've kept it that way. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Indeed, today is the Stories of Hope Radiothon in support of Silo Mission. Throughout the day, we will share stories of hope from inside the walls of Silo Mission and from those who have experienced homelessness. Your generosity will help create more stories of hope for some of our city's most vulnerable. Yeah, we have a really powerful story we want to share with you now. Our guest this morning is a former client of Silo Mission, having stayed in the shelter many years ago. He overcame homelessness and lives in recovery from addiction and now supports Siloam by speaking from his lived experience. And we want to say a huge good morning and welcome to Ron Baudin. Good morning, Ron. Good morning. Well, let's just start uh, with where you're at now. What does life look like after experiencing homelessness, Ron? Well, it's been over over 10 years um, since I was homeless. So, you know, life is good today. Um, you know, I have family. I have uh People in my life who love me and, and uh, you know, who understand. And, um, yeah, life is just great. can hear it in your voice, Ron. Great to have you on the program with us. And just maybe you can walk us back a little bit. What happened in your life, which led you to that road to addiction and eventually spending time at Silo Mission? Well, um, like I say, over 10 years ago, I just found myself homeless, and it was due to a combination of uh, addiction, uh, you know, mental health uh, issues, uh, depression, um, you know, childhood trauma, just a combination. And, uh, 
you know, silent mission was there for me. And at the start, it was just, uh, you know, a bed and a meal and, um, and gaining, um, you know, trust and trusting the people and the staff that work there. Why do you share your story so freely? Uh, you know, um, if it wasn't for, for the, you know, for Siloam, for the people who support Siloam so that Siloam could help people like, like me, um, you know, I wouldn't be here today. And, um, you know, for that, I'm, I'm eternally grateful. You know, there are so many people out there, Ron, who make assumptions about how people end up in different circumstances, right? They have these preconceived notions that that would happen to me. I wouldn't allow myself to get there. And, and when we hear stories like yours, I hear three things that have are lived experiences of many Manitobans. There might be an addiction, there might be some mental health struggles, and there might be a, a childhood trauma. There could be any combination of those that would find you in a position where you suddenly don't have a place to lay your head. How often do you think people are getting it wrong when they think, oh, that couldn't happen to me, when it, in very real reality, it could happen to a lot of people to end up homeless? Well, you know, I, I, I do think that a lot of people get it wrong. And, and you know, back, uh, back years ago, I was the same way. It was like... Uh, you know, get a job and, and uh, you know, suck it up. But that's not, that's not the way it is. You, had the, you held those convictions yourself prior to your life experience, Ron? I, I, I certainly did. I certainly did. And, and you know, I was, I was so wrong. So the experience that you had with Silo Mission, uh, because one of the things that they do is they, they don't just give you a, a warm meal or a place to, to sleep. They... they help you and they provide you with coaching and opportunities. So what, what kind of stuff did you, I guess, learn from them? So, you know, basically, yes, it starts with a meal in a bed. And, um, you know, I had actually moved out of the, uh, out of the um, shelter and was away from the shelter for a couple of months and, um, you know, living in, the, in a rooming house. And, um, you know, just one day I just couldn't go on. It just, I didn't know what to do anymore. And uh, on that day I went, back to silo mission and i uh you know talked to somebody there and you know said you know i need help and you know what they got me help within three hours i was talking to to somebody who could help me. when you talk about that help ron is it you know is it a simple matter of just talking to you initially when you say that someone was there to help you because there's so many things that go into providing that hand up that help is it the conversation first with recognizing where you're at and then trying to find the necessary steps walk me through that process i think i think it's it's, it's a combination what for myself is uh, is i knew that i could trust the people there so that's mm-hmm. uh, you know i went there and talked to somebody and it wasn't like come back in two weeks and and we'll set up an appointment it was like you know we'll find you some help uh some help right now and uh and that's uh, that's why i'm here today ron how critical is this it's a drum that i beat you made that decision that day and you just sort of highlighted it there. The fact that it wasn't, here's an appointment card uh, for some date down the road. They got you somebody to speak with. If they had told you to come back another time, what are the chances are that you would have come back? You know, uh, who knows? Maybe I, maybe I wouldn't. And, and, you know, uh, my experience and what, you know, what I've seen and I've heard is, you know, a lot of people don't come back. And what message then would you say to somebody right now who, like, let's say like, I live in Osborne Village and I see just walking to the store, I might be asked five times, can you spare any change? Uh, and that can be, it can be a little overwhelming at times. So 
to somebody who might be getting a little jaded at helping people, what would you say to them? Um, you know, I would say, um, you know, give give to an organization can, that can leverage the money, like, you know, the, the anonymous donor this morning. Um, you know, that's great. This person, this person gets it. And, uh, you know, when I heard that this morning, I know Loren was a little bit, uh, you know, emotional and, and I was the same way. And that's where it, that's where it happens. You know, give from the heart, change somebody's life today. Somebody just like me is going to walk through those doors and, uh, and they're going to want help and it's going to be there for them. Well, you're doing it to me again, Ron. I don't know what's going on with me this morning, but I maybe I didn't get enough sleep, but I just love hearing, A, the donations that are coming in, but also, you know, you're, people like you are reminding Manitobans that there's a face behind Silo Mission. There's a story behind every single person that might end up on the street, and it doesn't have to end on the street, right? I mean, here you are today telling us how good life is. What? When did you realize that you were on a more permanent path to this happy person that you are now? You know, I think, um, you know, you get some, some sober time in and, um, you know, you, you just, if life can be normal, I know it's a little bit different today with the COVID, but, you know, you're just doing normal stuff. And, and you know, at the end of the day, for myself and, and to a lot of people that I talk to, you know, I have a peace in my life that is something I've, you know, never had before. And, uh, you know, that's because, uh, Silo Mission was there. Mackling McGarry McNabb, a reminder, all donations until noon will be double matched. So your, your donation will be matched, and then that match will be doubled. Couch potatoes normally assemble at 7.37 on Fridays, but we just spoke to Ron, former client of Silo Mission. So we'll have a quick chat here. Jeff Braun not joining us because we'll only have a couple of minutes before Sounds of the Game. Remember, remember that movie that was shot in Winnipeg, GMAC, with uh, Bob Odenkirk and Christopher Lloyd, and everybody was pumped about that? Absolutely. I've uh, I've been waiting for it to come out. Is that day arrived? That day has arrived. Bob Odenkirk stars in the action film Nobody. For 12 years, I worked for some very dangerous people. I used to be what they call an auditor. The last guy anyone wants to see at their door. Because it meant you didn't have long to live. So Bob Odenkirk, you might know him from Breaking Bad. You might know him from Better Call Saul. He plays the sleazebag lawyer, Saul Goodman. In this, he plays Hutch Mansell, an underestimated and overlooked dad and husband. He just lives kind of a quiet, meek, boring life with his family. He just takes whatever life gives and never pushes back. Thieves break into the family home. He doesn't fight back. The son is mad. His wife is kind of disenchanted with him. But that incident awoke the beast inside him and reminded him of who he really is. And then that leads to, of course, a chorus of violence. And this is essentially like John Wick, that Keanu Reeves movie where, you know, the bad guys kill his dog. So he kills everyone. Well, in this case, they had attacked his family and he's had enough. And he takes out the trash with his dad, Christopher Lloyd. This was good. It was a fun action movie. I'd like to see it again because I spent half of it, Loren, trying to recognize the Winnipeg landmarks. Right? Like, oh. like, what street is this on? Some of it's obvious. Like, there's one scene where they park on Main Street, Main and Bannatyne. Guy walks across the street and walks into, they actually filmed it inside what was formerly the nightclub, 441 Main. Uh, so that was neat. 
But then there were other shots, like helicopter shots, that clearly were not Winnipeg. I, don't <laughs> I love know. it when they do that. Like it's a it's a Winnipeg business, and all of a sudden you're like, that is a mountain. We definitely that's not garbage hill. There's a full on mountain going on over there. I thought you were going to say you were having a problem spotting Winnipeggers because one of our listeners texted in that they got to be an extra on that movie. Oh yeah, and got and got to meet Bob. Oh neat! And, yeah. and well, and of course we. I think we spoke to her. Did we not speak to the the young girl who played his daughter? Either we spoke to her yes. or Global News Morning spoke nope, to her. No, we did. You're right. That is, yes. It's we been should. a while. It's been months, right? It's been, been a lot of lot of things. What what else has gone on this year? And and I recognized immediately the, one of the cops in the first scene, one of the detectives. I thought, I went to school with that guy. His name's Eric Atavalli. So, like, <laughs> oh, it wasn't, five a, wasn't seconds, a real cop? No, he wasn't a real police officer. Uh, unless... I was listening to uh, that podcast, uh, and I'll make it real quick, Brett, that, that I sent you yesterday, the Smartless podcast. Uh, Odenkirk was on it, and he talks about how this actually happened to him about 10 years ago. He had a couple of break-ins at his home, and he felt terrible that he didn't do anything about it. So there's a lot of Bob Odenkirk in this character. So I'm anxious to see this film for a variety of reasons. You can rent it for 25 bucks. I'm giving it four couch cushions out of five. Mackling McGarry and McNabb, the phone number is one 844 That's one 844 online, siloam.ca slash radiothon. So far, we're at $8,810. That includes a $5,000 starting donation from an anonymous donor who is going to double match Every donation that comes in. So if you donate $10, they will match that $10 and then double that match so that $10 becomes $30. So one eight four four nine siloam We are also asking you to text us stories of help from strangers because we have it in the news run on the story of the woman who was helped to get home. And this listener has a great story from when they were 13. I was 13 years old when my snowmobile broke down on a trail in the White Shell. Guy in a snowmobile took me to the nearest town where he bought me the part I needed. We stopped to have a burger together, and then he drove me back to fix my sled and made sure I returned home safe. There are still good people out there. Wonderful story. 204-780-6868 for your chance to win $20 gift card for Santa Lucia Pizza. And in fact, Loren, in our next segment, we're going to speak with the people who inspired this topic. Yeah, so it was Carolyn who shared the story on social media about how she just couldn't get over how kind and how it saved, really saved her mentally for sure. Their willingness to pull over in that storm earlier this week and help her out. And she posted, you know, and said to us on air yesterday, love to get to get a hold of Joe and Mandy. Well, I talked to Joe an hour ago. His sister texted us to say, I think that's my Joe, like my brother Joe. And sure enough, it is. So Joe and Mandy will join us in about 10 minutes time. In the meantime, uh, at 8.38 on 680 CJOB, we want to talk about the vaccine and how all police officers and firefighters in Manitoba will soon be eligible for the vaccine. Yeah, and other people on the front lines, so to speak, like teachers, might be moving higher up that list too, although there are still a lot of unknowns with this expanded eligibility criteria. The release came last night from the province after days and weeks of various organizations pushing the province to say, hey, should so-and-so be moved higher up the list? And so here's what the release said. It said in response to the threat of a third wave, Manitoba is expanding their criteria to include all adults 
in priority communities as well as first responders. Uh, based on this criteria that they're going to release more information on Wednesday, they were gonna, they're going to target vaccines to the highest communities with the highest risk of the virus, and then they'll vaccinate all adults aged 18 or older who live in those communities with the highest risk, as well as people with specified frontline public-facing roles in those high-risk communities, like teachers. And Greg, uh, we're not sure yet how that would work, what those communities are, but they also went on to say they're expanding to include frontline police officers and firefighters. Mo Sabrin is president of the Winnipeg Police Association. Good morning, Mo. Good morning. Thank you for having me on. Well, we heard you on this air over the last several days. Uh, I wouldn't say pleading, but absolutely asking for this to be done. What was your action? Uh, we got the news release about 10 minutes after 8 last night. When did you find out that this was going to be taking place and uh, the reaction on behalf of your members? Well, we might have had a little bit of a heads up uh, before 8 o'clock. Um, you know, this has been one of our number one priorities uh, because that's what we're hearing from our, our members. We had uh, worked very closely with uh, Minister Stephenson and Dr. Reimer, and we can't thank them enough for including us on the list. Um, so our members are ecstatic at this point. Um, you know, it's it's been very stressful for the members on the front lines. Uh, who don't uh, have the ability to work from home. And there are many situations where they don't have the opportunity to wash their hands or don PPE when they become involved in dynamic situations or providing emergency first aid to people that have been in a a violent encounter, a motor vehicle accident. So this is a a huge relief. Not only uh, have we seen shifts decimated having people to um, self-isolate, but we've also had close to 50 confirmed cases as a result of contact in the workplace. So a lot of relief, uh, and the sooner we can get the vaccine in our members' arms, the, the better. How do you read this? Does this mean all police officers or just police officers in the highest hit communities? Um, well, I, I think it's all police officers, um, but if it came down to only you know so many doses are available uh, it would have to go to online people uh, the members that are in gp the members that are fingerprinting uh, individuals that are brought in the, the the people that have the highest contact with the public uh, people working the desks that are taking reports and they're seeing hundreds of people come into the office our members that are in gp uh, are responding to hundreds of calls daily and are having multiple contacts with people and the other part of it too is that our members are very relieved because we could become super spreaders and we deal with the most vulnerable people in society and if uh, somebody is asymptomatic and now they've gone to 20 different calls it, it would be very easy for us to become a super spreader so there's there's that relief there as well not only do we want to protect the public public safety but health wise as well. We've been hearing so often in the last two, three years, Mo, about the rise in overall call, overall calls, period, and, and how busy 
police officers are, paramedics are, firefighters are, you know, just this increased demand for service. And so you mentioned the fact that there have been, I think you said, about 50 people who've contracted COVID. Do you know how many people have had to self-isolate over the last year? Because that would put, as you said, a a drain on resources if you have X number of folks out for two weeks at a time having to self-isolate just because they might have come contact with somebody, not just had COVID. Um, I do know those numbers. I have a file that is open, but it's in the hundreds. And I know there was uh, one shift in the north end that uh, had contact with an individual and the whole shift was gone for two weeks. So that placed an additional strain on the resources. Uh, they actually had to call people out from the that were on their days off to cover off that entire shift. So, you know, uh, calls for service continue to climb, even though people are being urged to stay home, don't go out if you don't have to, our calls for service haven't decreased. And if anything, they, they've increased. So this is an additional strain on the resources and, and it's taking its toll. Um, you've probably read the uh, concern that uh, morale is at the absolute lowest that we've ever seen it. And this is part of the reason why, uh, you know, in addition to COVID, the calls for service, the uh, the lack of uh, leadership in the top office. And it, it's it's very concerning. And that's why we went to the length to have a, a, a wellness survey done. Uh, right now, we're sitting at over, uh, I believe, 1,300 responses out of, a, out of 2,000 employees which is amazing. So when you have a a response like that, that tells you that there's major concerns within the organization. Well, we'll have time to to dive into that survey uh, once all the results are in and it's been processed. But I'd like to leave you with something that might put a smile on your face. Mo, we've been having a conversation about Good Samaritans and, and experiences that perhaps were changed by the good will of somebody else, a stranger. And uh, one of our listeners sent us this stranger help me story. Winter 1996, 8 p.m. I was driving from my apartment in St. James down Sturgeon Road to my then boyfriend's place on Kiwaiton. It was dark and cold and there are no houses out there. On the curves, a car came up behind me and passed very quickly. Then another car passed me and did a little fishtailing on the ice. Now it's all polished up for me as I go over the black ice. I spin around and end up on... The snowbank. At 18, this is my first accident. I have no idea what to do. Thankfully, the second car to pass me noticed that I didn't get through the black ice and came to help. I had a flat tire and a broken U-clamp. He changed my tire and followed me to my destination. My savior was an off-duty police officer, and I'll never forget them stopping for me. Was that was that you by any chance, Mo? <laughs> I would like to say it was, but uh, I, I can't take credit for that. But there's many, many stories uh, out there about members that are off duty that stop to to help out uh, somebody that's uh, that's in need. And there, there's a lot of very good news stories that uh, our members are involved in. And one of them was uh, one of our members that was working uh, one of the retail outlets and bought a homeless person their meal when they they couldn't afford it. You know, so it's uh, it's out there. Unfortunately, there's a lot of negativity out there, but I'm I'm glad you guys are doing a piece on Good Samaritans, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot that can be attributed to police officers and off-duty police officers. Mo Sabrin, president of the Winnipeg Police Association, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Mo, thank you for this. 
No, thank you very much. It's always a pleasure being on with you folks. We finish this hour with how we've been sharing stories this morning of random acts of kindness. Help from strangers. It was inspired by two strangers who helped a woman get through that storm we just saw earlier this week. Her name is Caroline Wisneski, and she was driving home from Winkler when she started to feel dizzy and nervous in the storm. So she pulled over. She didn't know what to do or where to turn for help. When two people from St. Adolph pulled over and said they would help drive her home. I had my husband on the phone as well, just making sure I was okay um, during the entire time. But these two lovely people, out of the kindness of their own hearts, just decided to come in and help and made sure that I, I got home safe and that also that I didn't have to abandon my car out on the side of the road too. Yeah, one of them drove the car with Carolyn and then the other followed. And Carolyn said she was just so busy in that moment and, and concerned about the storm and getting home that all she got were their first names, Joe and Mandy. And so she turned to social media and then CJOB to try and connect so she could offer their thanks, her thanks. And one of our loyal listeners weighed in this morning uh, saying, I think that might be my brother. So we're pleased to bring on this morning, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? And Mandy, hello. Good morning. Hi, Good morning. Thanks for taking the time. And I know, uh, Joe, when I, when I first texted you, you, you said, is this really all over the place? And my answer was yes, because people were so inspired by this random act of kindness. And so, Mandy, if you could, um, what was going on in that moment? What was, paint this picture for us, the scene on the road that made you think there's something going on with that car and, and you should help her? Well, we were driving home, um, actually, from uh, just on our way home from getting some dinner, and um, I, I happened to notice, a, we both noticed a young lady just pulled over, and we were actually in the opposite direction, so we even discussed it for a quick second, said, well, something seems off here, so we did a U-turn and came back, and my husband approached her and uh, offered to see if she was okay. Joe, is this out of character for you? Is this sort of the way you roll? Have you you ever done anything like this before? Um, I have. It's uh, the way I roll because a gentleman about 30 years ago, a stranger helped my father change a uh, tire. and He was a big, scary biker guy. And he, my father was taking my brother to a hockey game. He was seven years old. He said, sir, I'll change your tire, get back in your car, and left. So that gentleman 35 years ago changed my view on, wow, he made such an impact on me. I want to do the same to somebody else. Now, Carolyn uh, says that uh, she, one of the things she said to us is if someone knows how to get a hold of him, she'd like to buy you lunch. So will you accept her offer for lunch? Uh, humbly, yes, but I prefer she just donate that to cancer or somebody else. We have enough food. We're good. I appreciate the offer, though. We're big believers and pay it forward. So we would much prefer that she just pay it forward in whichever way she can. Oh, Mandy, this is the kind of stuff I think we all need to hear today because it's been a tough go, right, this last year. And I have to apologize. I, I don't know if it's my lack of sleep, but I've been teary all morning because we're also calling for donations for Silo Mission. But Mandy, I just there think, yeah, I think one of the things that we're, we're talking, why we're talking about it is that people need to hear that there are good people out there. And so you're not doing this to feel good. You're doing it because it's the right thing to do, if I could put words into your Absolutely. mouth. Absolutely. Yeah. That's how we both feel. Um, you know, wherever you can help, it's, it's yeah. easy to, to help, right? Just do good, get good. It's very simple policy. My mother and my sister, Akeen, and my brother-in-law, John, has inspired in me. 
when they're here from Winnipeg. That's why we moved out here. So just do good, get good. It's a wonderful message. Not everyone gets it. Not everyone lives it. And I would say uh, over the last several years uh, that perhaps people have been jaded, people that would normally perhaps pull over and help out have have given it a second thought. I know I have based on on, on some of the things that have been happening in our community and time of day and, and those considerations. So obviously you need to be safe for yourself as well, but, but it's such a tremendous message. And, and Joe, um, let, let me ask you this. Uh, was sure. it you? And I was listening as closely as I could to your story. Was it you that was a little boy in the back? No, back it was, uh, my brother, when- he was uh, seven years old and he was on the way to hockey. And my dad told the story how the tire blew and he came back saying, this big, scary guy pulled over and I thought he was going to rob us. And he changed my tire. And <laughs> it just inspired me thinking, wow. And that inspired my brother. And he's actually a Vancouver police member himself now. So we're just uh, strangers inspire people, right? Joe and Mandy, thank you for inspiring us. We appreciate the time. And uh, uh, what a great attitude. What a great way to see the world. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. Thank you. New total is $22,000 just as of 9 a.m. Well done, Manitoba. Well on our way. So keep those donations coming. And once again, that phone number, one 844 9 We have three minutes, three text messages. We have two runners-up and our winner for texts on help from strangers. Lorenz, start us off with Henry. Henry texts to say, we immigrated here from communist Russia in the early 70s. My parents left everything behind. We arrived with no money or assets, just a couple of suitcases. When people got word of our situation, they helped us out big time. A lumber yard on Henderson Highway, Riddikop Lumber, has an empty house that they were going to demolish, but they let us live there rent free for a year. Wow. Henry says people arrived with all the necessities we needed. My mom and siblings were set up with jobs right away. It did not matter where we were from. The people of Winnipeg made sure we could get on our feet. Outstanding. That's just so heartwarming. Greg, what did Brenda have to say? This is incredible. Yeah, it sure is. I was walking near the Misericordia Hospital on a Sunday afternoon when I got to the bridge. It was weird, but I was conflicted as to which side to cross on. I tend to say hi to people when I walk, so said hi to young woman on the bridge. She said nothing, but when I was a few steps away, she said, hey, I want to jump. I turned around and went to her. We talked for a long time till I got her to not hurt herself, to agree to do so. Sent her to a friend's place and called clinic. I walked her to the bus stop and waited till she got on. Funny how I was guided to that side of the bridge and grateful. I say hi to people. Thank you, Brenda. Grateful for your story and grateful for what you did that day. Wow. This, uh, this was a hard decision today, picking a winner. All of your stories are so great and so inspirational. But we've gone with Doris, and I'm going to read that. We read this story earlier, uh, but this one just brought me to a halt because it's just so intense in the, to imagine what could have been. Doris says, in 1989, 
I was in England on an overnight train with my three-year-old daughter and one-and-a-half-year-old son. I had to leave a bad situation and get to safety back home to Canada. We arrived at the reading station. It was 5.30 a.m. I had to get two huge bags and two kids down a flight of stairs in five minutes to make it to a bus that did not wait for anyone. That bus would get me to the airport, and I couldn't afford to miss it, but couldn't physically get to the bus in time. I was exhausted and panicked when a stranger approached me and offered to help. He spoke to a conductor who snuck us into an industrial elevator. We got to the bus on time. I am grateful for these two people to this day, whom I will never meet again. Doris, great story. We're glad you made it. We're glad you ended up safe. You win the $20 gift card for Santa Lucia pizza. Well earned. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG, that's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.